So uh, this is the part of the service that we're, we're going to open the Bible and we're uh, going to unpack it a bit and see what God wants to speak to us about, what he wants to challenge us about, uh, the dreams, the specifics, the opportunity in our lives, our streets, our city, this region. And for this opening season as a church and over the summer, we're going to be looking at a number of stories or parables, as they're known, that Jesus spoke uh, over his time here on earth and what Jesus taught and what that can teach us today. So uh, a great def- I found a great definition of uh, the word parable. Now there's over 40 parables in the Bible. Now the definition that I got was a simple word picture illuminating a profound spiritual lesson. And uh, we're calling this little series Keys to the Kingdom because these parables show key ways to live a life as a believer of Jesus. Uh, how to help us unpack the tough stuff and to let the good stuff grow. So uh, I'm aware, as I said earlier, we'll have lot, lots of different people from different backgrounds, different stories, uh, and you are so welcome. And God loves this when we come together uh, and it, we love God's word. We believe it's a living word and that when he re- we read it, he is eager to move and speak into our lives, the big and the small. So we're going to be looking at the book of Luke. And uh, this is one of the Gospels, so one of the accounts of Jesus's life on earth, uh, a life on earth that led to him dying on a cross for us, defeating sin and rising again so that we can live forgiven and free this morning with the promise of a life with him. So the the words will be up on the screen as well, but I'm going to ask John O, would you like to be our Bible distributor? Let's give him a cheer. It's an important task. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, get your hand up and we'll get a Bible out to you. And you can, if you don't have a Bible at home, we would love you to take that Bible as a gift from us to you. Uh, We'd love you to have a Bible in your home. It's around there in the Bible if you want to Stick your finger in and see if you can kind of see if you can find it. Luke chapter eight, and we're going to start at verse four. And hopefully, okay, so that's, so we're starting here. Uh, That wee bit, we won't, we won't read. Let's pray before we do that. Lord, we thank you that you are here. Thank you that you you are so eager to speak into our lives. All of us, some of us here will have had great weeks. Some of us here will, will have had really tough weeks. Some of us will be sitting here and wondering how on earth we got here. Lord, will you speak? Will you open our ears? Will you open our hearts this morning to what you have to say? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Luke chapter 8, and we're going to start at verse 4. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on a good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he had said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. 
but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they, ha they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you guys, but as we start Inverness Vineyard Church, we want fruit on this adventure. We want to see God do amazing things. We want to see a city shaken for Jesus. A city and shire loved radically and the hope of Jesus shared. We need healthy hearts alive to produce fruit. And there's a few things I want to say on the, the act of sowing seeds in this time. Uh, a couple of things. This story would not surprise anyone that Jesus told at this time. Uh, agriculture was a big player at this time. Uh, it was a part of everyday life for people. The fields in first century Israel were long, narrow strips marked off, uh, surrounded by footpaths. The, the sower would take one handful of seed and he'd fling it over a large area and he'd cover it evenly, with evenly scattered seed. And the goal was to cover the whole ploughed field. So you can just picture it, can't you? And throwing the seed out onto the field. Now, uh, the last few weeks, I have surprised myself. Uh, not only, and you'll begin to realise this, I get sunburnt when it's anything over 12 degrees. A true Scotsman. Uh, but we managed to be really productive outdoors, which is a good thing. Uh, we attacked the garden. We managed to attack the garden. We went, actually, a better phrase would be, we went to war with the garden. It was a brave heart moment. You know, we gathered the troops and we were, we're going to do this. Have you ever got to the stage where you, you look at your garden and you think, it's alive, but not in a good way? Well, that was our garden. It was taking over. And... Uh, in our previous house, we had the smallest little garden. Literally, I could get the mower and I'd fling it on the grass. I'd go like that and the grass would be done. The garden would look wonderful and it was absolutely fine. But this time the garden's a bit bigger and the grass has grown and the weeds are forming a little bit of a formal gathering. You know, they're, they're getting together. There's more people coming along. The decking looks defeated. Every day the colour is draining from the decking. It's looking pretty miserable. The flowers... No, there's no flowers. I'm, I'm just kidding on. There's no flowers at all. They're long gone. But we set to it. So we managed to get a petrol lawnmower, uh, second hand, and I had one of these buttons, which I didn't realize. You pull it and it goes automatically. Has anybody got one of those lawnmowers? Gave me a massive fright. I'm like, what's going on? And I'm dragged away with it. We got one of them. We managed to get the grass cut. Uh, we got a bit of painting done, managed to get the decking done. And uh, we got our flowers in and the garden was looking good. Then we got to the weeding. And one of the most therapeutic jobs that I love doing is power washing. I just like the sound that the power washer makes. I like on the cement how it makes it cleaner. Uh, it's just really, really good fun. And uh, 
but I'll never learn because what I tend to do when it gets to jobs, either around the house or the garden, I'll maybe start doing a bit of weeding and then 10 minutes later I'm power washing the whole garden or I'm putting a picture up for Mary in a room and 10 minutes later I'm plastering the whole room. It grows arms and legs and I end up wearing clothes that are totally inappropriate to the job that I'm doing and I get to the end and I'm absolutely caked in mud, which is the example with the power washing and with painting the decking, I actually noticed this morning I have got paint on my jeans, which I noticed while I was here at church. That's decking paint. So I, I started doing a little bit and then I was out there for four hours, wasn't I, Mary, with my good clothes on. Anyway, why am I telling you this? I'll just get back to it. I'm telling you this because just as I had that uh-oh moment when it came to the condition of the garden, this parable is a call and a reminder to be checking on the condition of our soil. And when Jesus is speaking about the parable of the sower and the soil, he's speaking about our hearts. Jesus uses the picture of the sower sowing the seed, four very different landing points for the word of God, four very different soils, four very different heart conditions. And I want to look at the four landing points very briefly this morning, what they mean for each of us, and to really honestly truthfully ask how are our hearts this morning as we start out on this adventure with Inverness Vineyard Church because for us we realize in these very early days as a church gathering the verse of Proverbs 4.23 above all else guard your heart because everything flows from it two terms in there above all else above everything else guard your hearts because what a few things no everything flows from it. Everything flows from it. How we speak, how we act, how we think of others, how we make decisions flows from the heart. God is desperate to grow fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, faithfulness, long-suffering, goodness, patience, self-control. That can be tough. And we want to start as we mean to go on. We want to be open and vulnerable before God. We want to let him do what he wants to do and call out what isn't so good. We want Inverness Vineyard Church to be a place where people come alive. And we want soft, healthy hearts, alive and beating to run the race and being alert when that isn't the case. So our first heart that condition, the first soil, uh, is the hardened soil. So this is dense this is rock-like environment and the seed falls. In verse 5, it says, some fell along the path. And then in verse 12, they hear and then the devil comes and takes the word away from their hearts. So these are hearts that are like concrete. The sower walks on by uh, the ploughed fields, perhaps shut up shop on all things God. It's not a fence path, so there's no protection. It's under attack from all sides. The enemy can come without opposition. It's dry. It's a heart that's perhaps exploited and dominated by what people think, by pride, by lust, by stubbornness, by fear, by sin, by patterns of life which aren't great. Uh, those of you that know me will know I have quite an eclectic uh, taste in, in TV shows. 
and, and watching different TV shows. So I go from the island to Bear Grylls. That's the adventurer in me. I always think I could do quite well in that, but then Mary's like, no, that's not happening. There's no way you could do well. So we watch that, and we watch The Crown. Do we have any fans of The Crown here? So uh, yes, there's one or two. So it's detailing the, que- the, the Queen and the Royal Family, which is really good as well. And also... I can't believe I'm saying this, a cheeky episode of Call the Midwife. I quite enjoy Call the Midwife. Mary sat me down to watch Call the Midwife. And I was like, okay, we'll watch it. I bawled my eyes out. And she's like, what's happening? This isn't even a, I bet that you cry at. I know, but it's just so beautiful. Anyway, um, I came across a, a video on YouTube. And uh, it's about a guy who thought it would be a good idea to put his head in a microwave and add cement. So just picture that. It was in the news. You might have read it in the newspaper as well. So he'd done it on YouTube so lots of people could watch it and so he could get paid lots of money. It was a prank that went terribly wrong because as they poured in the quick dry cement into the microwave, it started to expand and he couldn't manoeuvre his head out. They had to call 999 the emergency services came. It wasn't great. They were pretty angry. They cut out the, uh, the microwave. And thankfully, it was okay. But it, it happened so quickly. That was the, the, the real thing about the story as I read it in the paper. It happened so quickly. The cement started to dry. It started to expand. It started to get hard. It just reminded me of a hardened heart. Because it expands. It dries so quickly. It dries out so quickly. And it can get out of control. I wonder how many of us can relate to that this morning because that is an emergency. Just like that guy called 999, that is an emergency. I wonder how many of us are here today from a place of when we hear church or we hear God or we hear faith or we hear we're called to do something, we almost add in the concrete and we go, I'm going to make it a bit tougher. I'm going to harden it a little bit more. No, no, no. We shut it down. God wants to speak into that fear, into that hurt, into that doubt, into that worry this morning. And perhaps the reason that you're here this morning is because he's on your case. He isn't going anywhere. There's an American pastor called Carrie Newhoff and he, there's a great little blog he speaks about a hardened heart and I just want to highlight a couple of things that he says are signs of a hardened heart. Here's a couple of things. You don't really celebrate and you don't really cry. You stop genuinely caring. So much of what is supposed to be meaningful feels mechanical. Passion is hard to come by. You no longer believe the best about people. And then a couple of things on how this happens. We focus on patterns, not people. So when we meet people, we say, oh, I've seen your light before. You're just going to be like such and such. We start processing when we meet people based on past experiences. We, we start to clutch onto patterns and think that everybody is like that person or that experience. We overprotect a broken heart. And I feel that's a real significant word for one or two of us this morning, that we're coming in and our, we're overprotecting our broken heart. We stop looking for what is good in people. And we accept a harder heart as a new normal. We just say, oh, that, that, that's the way it is. And reading that, when I came across that blog, I was like, man, there's things that I'm journeying with. There's things that I need to keep alert to. I'd love to pray just now, very quickly. Can we pray? Lord, we never want a mechanical life. We never want a life without passion. We want to care. We want to celebrate. 
And God, I just ask now that you will soften areas in our hearts that are hardened. Inverness, out with this school, needs hope. It needs people to share out that this city can lead and enjoy meaningful lives. And Lord, we want to declare on this first service, we do not want our hearts to get hardened. We do not want to miss out, Lord. We do not want to shut down. Amen. Amen. So perhaps we feel hardened in certain areas of life. We've given up maybe caring for a family member or a friendship. Our work right now is just mechanical. It's just a tick box. I believe God wants to breathe in the word meaningful this morning. Or maybe we used to have a passion, but now it's like we're scraping the barrel of that. It's like the end of the battle. You know the way you get to the end of peanut butter and you're kind of like that with a knife trying to get the little last bits? I always do that. It's kind of like that just now with our passion. God wants to fill us up again this morning. I really believe that. We'd love to pray with you. We're going to have an opportunity. I can't believe I said peanut butter as the example. I didn't even have that in my notes anyway. Uh, we're going to have an opportunity at the end of the service where we're going to pray and we'd love to pray with you. Secondly, a half-hearted heart. Uh, is the second one. So we have the hardened heart and the half-hearted one. When I read the seed that falls on the rocky ground, this ground gets me, it gets me really sad because it's on shallow ground. It's only going so far. Initially, the promise is good. Initially, uh, it's looking good, but in the time of testing, it falls away. In verse 13, it speaks of that. It's like, oh, it's so close. And then some tough stuff comes. Like, no, see you later. I'm away. And we see an example of that in God's words uh, with the disciple Peter. So Peter was one of Jesus's running buddies, one of his disciples. He'd done life with him and they journeyed around preaching. And Jesus got arrested on the run up to his death. In Matthew 26, verse 58, there's a, a couple of words which are really significant. And it says this, Peter followed at a distance. He followed at a distance. We often distance ourselves when it becomes costly. Peter just took a little step back. Hmm, it could get tough here. I'm just going to take a step back. We maybe respond immediately to what God's saying to us. It looks so promising for a short time. We believe for a while, but then when tough stuff comes, there's vulnerability with no roots, with no roots. You see, the seed in the rocky ground would have a fresh, healthy topsoil. The top of it would look great. The sower would not know when he's thrown the seed. It would look fantastic. But the growth would be quick and it would get green and leafy, but then it would wither just as quick because the initial moisture, it would hit the rock and it couldn't get any deeper. So there's a rock in the way. It's a shallow root system. I wonder what the rock represents. As I was reading that passage and thinking through it this week, I was like, I wonder what that rock represents. When we become Christians, perhaps, when we take a step out, when we make a big decision for God, things aren't going to be easy. In John 16, Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Take heart. Jesus has overcome what is in the way. Perhaps it's hurt, pain, doubt, self-worth, illness, pride. We are called to take heart. And what that doesn't mean is that we ignore or we deny the tough stuff that's going on, but we persevere and believe in the truth that God has spoken over us, that he has a plan, that he loves us, that he wants to protect us, that he will guide us. 
that he is over it and we persevere, we journey. We ask God by his spirit to break that rock. We have people alongside us who will journey with us in the tough stuff to push us deeper, deeper roots to help us. Before uh, I worked for, I work a couple of days a week for Inverness Vineyards and I, I've been working in church life for about seven years now. And before that, I worked in the bank and that was my first job since leaving university. Uh, I worked for Santander. I was a financial advisor for a couple of years. Uh, before that, I went to university in Stirling, which was great fun. I, I, left, I left home. I, I lived in student accommodation. It was my first time out in the, the big bad world. As I left uni, I knew and loved Jesus. And I joke about my four years at uni because I often say, oh, it was party time for four years. It was, it was wild. But actually the reality is it was incredibly tough. I ran away from God and I hit rocky ground in my walk. There was no deep roots. My faith was fragile. It was hanging on by a thread. But then I met Mary and she was on fire for God. She loved Jesus, she oozed love and also she's pretty good looking as well and I thought I need to pursue this lady. And I realised we need each other in this. She spoke truth into my life at a time when I was very self-conscious, when my confidence would only come through when I had a couple of drinks on a night out. Jesus broke the ground, he took me deeper and more secure in him, got rid of the rocks. I know my worth. I know what I'm for. I know that my heart is still changing. I cry, I call the midwife. It's still changing. God's softening stuff. I also cry. You know the Queen's birthday? This is another thing. You know the Queen's birthday at the Royal Albert Hall? I started to get emotional when the Queen came out. How weird is that? And Mary, Mary seriously had a word. I think she turned it off. I'm like, what is going on with you? God is changing our hearts. He wants to change our hearts. I'm still a work in process in that and I've lost my place. Jesus wants that journey for all of us to soften our hearts. He does not want a half-hearted or a shallow existence because that is a missed opportunity. The third heart is a harassed heart. I've already said about Mary, but she is incredible. You begin to realize this as you get to know her. She's an incredible pastor. She's much better than me at this stuff. She's an awesome nurse. She works a couple of days at the hospital and she is born to be a nurse, caring and nurturing, an awesome wife, supportive, uh, encouraging and loving, and a mom who fiercely loves her children and a brilliant friend. And I could go on and on and on, but it's not about Mary, it's about Jesus. <laughs> We have a movie a couple of years ago we went to the cinema to watch. And I don't know about if, if you go in groups or as couples, you take a turn about to choose a movie. And for me, it's like the latest Bond film or Avengers. Uh, and for Mary, it's like something like romantic and quite soppy. And we went to see a film called, I don't know how she does it. This is a few years ago. And this is about a businesswoman who juggles and spins all these plates to make life work. So our work, our hobbies, our marriage, kids, clubs, houses, meals. And I had a bit of a revelation. I was like, this is Mary. This is what she's doing. And I realized actually for a whole lot of people here, for the large majority of people here, that is what we do. We juggle, we spin. That is what, how we make life work. And uh, this practical picture is often a picture of our hearts. 
The, one of the definitions of harassed is there's too many demands. There's too many demands. We see in verse 7, the seed fell among thorns, which grew with it and choked the plants. And then in verse 14, it stands for those who hear. But as they go in their way, they are choked by life's worries, picked riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. So we have our day-to-day life and this soil being sucked up by life and, and all the other demands that is going on. And the weeds begin to grow faster and better than anything else. Although we may look at the multitasking and juggling and spinning of plates as an incredible thing capacity-wise, we cannot live like that spiritually. There's a challenge not to let the world overpower our journey with Jesus. Our worry, our riches, our pleasures, the next purchase, the pay rise, the worry over our children. We might think we're balancing all these things, but Jesus was never to take a portion for us to live sustained, genuine, powerful, spirit-led lives. He is to be at the center. Nothing alongside, but everything flowing from him. Everything flowing from him. The deep roots are in him. We take our worry, our riches, our pleasures to him. So what is our go-to in time of trouble? What is our response in crisis? How do we celebrate in provision and joy? That is a good indicator of what we're letting grow in our hearts. Is our heart a place of competing and stretching and pulling in all directions right now, rather than being a place where everything comes to life through Jesus and flows from Jesus? Maybe some of us here this morning are in a season of our hearts feeling harassed. It's been pretty relentless. We've had money issues. We've had family issues. We've had illness issues. Pulling and stretching and Jesus is just a little part of that. Maybe some of us are right there. You know, that movie we went to see at the cinema, it got to the point where it wasn't sustainable for this businesswoman. She crumbles and then she realigns. How many of us need to do that this morning? We better realigning. What thorns need pruning? Somebody uh, once, somebody sent us an email on the run-up to this church start and saying they had a little word for us. And it was a picture of a primary school. And you think of primary schools, there are places of fun, there are places of noise, there are places of learning together. And I thought, that's a great picture. But as I was preparing this, I also had this word. And somebody came and shared this word as well this morning with me, that it's a place of peace. And I remembered in primary school, you'd have your quiet time moments. Our little Joshua has those moments in his nursery just now, those quiet times, those quiet time moments. I believe that this is going to be a place of peace for a lot of us. It's going to be a sanctuary for some of us. It's going to be a place where our weeks right now are pretty relentless, but this is a place we can come and we can go, oh, Jesus, please meet me. It's been a tough week. This is going to be a precious place. And then finally, we have the healthy hearts. Jesus speaks about the good soil. Oh, to be alive and living out of good soil. Tenacious, holding on to the truth, to have perseverance. And we see, we want fruit. As I said at the beginning, the fruit of the Spirit should be so blatantly obvious in our lives. Not scarce, not hard to find. Love, joy, peace long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control flowing from us. Because when our hearts are intentionally positioned in this way, things happen. Change happens with us and with our conversations. Our eyes see things. Our ears hear things. We become that little bit bolder. We take more risks. Because what 
Jesus is saying to us takes root. It begins to grow. It gets deeper. It begins to bear fruit. And I, as I close this morning, I, as I was thinking about healthy hearts, I just kept getting the word potential. That there is so much unpacked potential in this room this morning. And that is our heart for Inverness. That people live out of that healthy soil. That picture of a healthy heart. But it's not going to be easy. There will be times where we're called to be vulnerable. There will be times when we're called to take risks. There will be some pretty deep weeds that will need pulling out. I've been there. I've journeyed that. I'm sure I still have a few more as well. But there is freedom. There is freedom to be had in this soil. There is opportunity. There is hope. So let's be on the pursuit of a healthy heart as we start out. And I'm aware there might be one or two of us this morning who don't know Jesus. It's my prayer that you know, perhaps he's been speaking to you about an area of your heart that isn't healthy this morning. We would love to pray with you. Or perhaps you feel that Jesus is beckoning you into a friendship with him to journey this life together with him. We would love, what a Sunday to make that prayer to declare that this morning we would absolutely love to pray with you uh, if that's the case as well and also there might be a group of us where today is a chance to recommit it's a chance to let Jesus do his work and to say right this is a mark in the sand this is a moment where I'm going to declare I am yours Lord put me to work and my heart is yours so the question as we leave here, is it well with our soil? What condition of the heart do we identify with this morning? And let's respond. Let's give it over to Jesus. Why don't we stand?